What is going on, everybody? It is your host, Jordan Espeseth. We're on another show of DFW's Real Estate Best. And man, I'm, I'm excited to be here. We do this every Wednesday at 11 o'clock. And um, our show is powered by The Difference. Mr. Lendon Wilson, you might hear him pop in from time to time on this show. But The Difference, uh, we're, we're, our Real Producers podcast is powered by them. And their podcast provides video branding uh, and, and digital business development solutions for small business owners and entrepreneurs that are here locally, uh, but also statewide. And they had over 600,000 viewers just uh, in 2020 alone. And so uh, the difference can really help any business grow their brand, um, expand your connections and relationships, uh, increase your influence and relevance. Um, and it can quickly help you become known as you know, a power player and a mover and a shaker in your sphere, your community, your industry, and in the business world. And so we're excited and pumped to be powered by the difference. So thank you, Lendon, as always. Um, and guys, DFW's Real Estate Podcast. I, I, I you know, we, I, I love uh, this show. I love um, the platform that it's built on, which is Real Producers. And, and you know, Real Producers is a national franchise. It started. Uh, back in 2015, we're now in over 100 markets across the nation, and there's three real producers here in Dallas, Fort Worth. I own all three of those, and we have an amazing team behind us, and uh, we're growing and expanding here. And with real producers, um, you know, we truly share the the stories of the most successful businesses and agents within the DFW market. And you know, we have a monthly publication that goes directly to the top 500 producing real estate agents in the market based off their MLS production. So just in DFW alone, there's over 60,000 licensed real estate agents. Between the three publications we have, we have the top 1,500 producing real estate agents here. And uh, that's what the top one, two percent. And if an agent is in that top 500, they receive our monthly publication each and every month. It is their, you know, badge of honor for being in the top one, two percent, and and uh, they have the opportunity, you know, to sh share their story within the publication. And uh, the cool thing about that is that, that we're not a pay-to-play model on their side. There's no cost to those real estate agents if they get featured. It's just a testament to them and the business that they built. And again, we take a dive into who they are. Right? We a lot of people know, hey, this is X real estate agent. They do X business. Uh, for us, we want to know the journey. They're the best at what they do. We want to know. Uh, how they got to where they're at, right? The good, the bad, the ugly, their journey along the way. So we take a real personal approach with real producers and uh, it really humanizes uh, those agents and also the businesses. Like I said, each and every one of the businesses that are a part of real producers um, that we share their stories within have all come recommended to us by the highest producing agents. We vet them. They're a real producers vetted business partner. So we truly do have the best agents, the best businesses that are part of of our platform wrapped up with a, a, a sweet monthly publication, but also we do big events and small events on a regular basis as well for those top agents, for our business uh, vetted partners. And uh, we got a couple coming up. We got one next week. We got one the week after that. And so um, in total, we have five uh, events in, in August alone, which is crazy. But, um, you know, I'm excited for the, the opportunity to, to, to be here to, to, to be a part of Real Producers, to share uh, these stories and to bring this podcast to you guys. And uh, each week we have a couple of awesome guests. We bring on one of our partners 
and they bring on one of their uh, favorite agents that they work with. And, um, and, and we get to hear from them. We get to hear the, their stories, their, their lessons, uh, what's going on with them and their world. And so I'm excited to bring on our first guest. Uh, she is someone that I met, man, I don't know, maybe three years ago. And um, she goes by the Ninja Ginger. She is very great at what she does. Uh, she is with all my sons moving. That is Jameson Olson. So come on in, Jameson. <laughs> hello, hello. Good morning. Good morning. And how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh, happy to be here. This is exciting. Yes, yes. What, what, how long ago did we meet? What was it like? It was probably three years ago, right? Yeah. You had just came to the market. So what year was that? 2018. So 2018, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I, I would not meet with you or return your phone call. <laughs> nope. Nope. You were very um, difficult. <laughs> <laughs> but worth it, of course. And so. Appreciate that. Yes. So Jameson, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about your role over at All My Sons and kind of fill us in on um, All My Sons as a whole. Yeah. So I am the National Director of Marketing and Business Development. I um, uh, work with 63 locations nationwide, specifically here in the DFW market. I work with um, our four locations uh, that we have here. Uh, a lot of people think we're a franchise, but we're not. We are actually... Um, all under one umbrella. So uh, everyone's trained the same, uh, so on and so forth. And uh, we do do long distance, local, commercial, residential, and um, full packing, unpacking, uh, whatever the customer needs. Nothing's too big, nothing's too small. So, has, it been, has it been just crazy like the last year and a half? <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, you know, through the pandemic, we really. Um, a lot of people weren't sure what was going to happen. Uh, I, being my role in what I do, not only do traditional but non-traditional advertising and marketing, um, and being in front of people and networking and constantly, you know, being that person, it was hard for me to, you know, have to stay at home and look at four walls. Like my dog was like, "Why are you? Why are you talking to me right now?" Um, so, but we really did at All My Sons Master uh, moving during the pandemic, and, and we came out a better, a better company, uh, better locations all across the United States because of the pandemic. Um, it really taught us not only do do we take care of the customers like their family, but it really taught us what that meant. If we, you know, we already knew, but it, it really did, you know, was not for the weak of heart for sure. Yeah. Um, so it is has been crazy. This this year has been crazy as well. Usually moving seasons May through September, but moving season has been like January through August. So it's been crazy nationwide with the moving. That's wild. Yeah, I'm sure being more at home for someone who's a socialite like you is not the easiest thing because you uh, you're you're a fantastic networker and you uh, love to go do that. I mean, what did you do a lot of online stuff um, like online networking even? Yep. So I actually gained referral partners um, across the United States uh, via Zoom and going into, you know, with my brokers anywhere I could and meeting them on different Zooms and um, going into their monthly Zooms. And then I was hosting my in-person classes. I ended up hosting, creating series and hosting them online to teach real estate agents how to stay in front of people uh, virtually. Yeah. So, 
which which I don't think people like, uh, but it's necessary right now. You know, like uh, most people in the real estate business are very social. Um, but are you are you now like back doing like more networking in person? Uh, yes, yes and no. I'm still doing the zooms and uh, just now started doing happy hours again uh, for invite only happy hours and just started going back into classrooms teaching. Um, we just finished a, a series for Coldwell Banker Brokerage uh, Instagram series and we started another one out in the South Lake Market. Um, just taught a TikTok class and doing another one on hashtags today. So I have to, so I'm going to ask you uh, a tip you can give us, but I do want to share. So my brother um, just downloaded TikTok like a week, <laughs> a week ago and, and he posted a video that now has 5.2 million views um, and, it, and he just got, uh, there's some company that reached out to him that wants to put it on, I don't know, the BBC and Jimmy Kimmel and all these different things. Um, so absolutely crazy. I don't know if I, I should share, I should share that with you. It, it was, it was so fun to watch how like it went from 37,000 views to like the next morning had like over a million and it was just like, it was crazy to see that happen. But TikTok's kind of built for things going viral, isn't it? it? It most definitely is. Each platform, each social media platform is so different, but strategies are so the same. Um, on TikTok, a lot of people think it's just for the kids and it's not. And uh TikTok is real. TikTok and Instagram and Facebook um, are three platforms that if you're not on, you need to be. And if you're only on Facebook because you don't feel comfortable, get comfortable being uncomfortable. So, so you you do TikTok. You're an avid like you use it consistently. I don't use TikTok consistently. Um, I use Instagram consistently. Uh, TikTok for moving is I'm I'm still trying to master how to do the TikTok for moving, <laughs> but. Um, it's, it's definitely something I actually flew in for the TikTok for real estate classes, uh, TikTok influencers in real estate um, from South Florida to teach the classes. So Interesting. flew in my South Florida peeps. Yeah, because you, you go to Florida, what, like every two weeks or something? Once a month um, and the time frame varies. So definitely that market's a hot market uh, for moving. And it's, it's one where we're highly, we're heavily in bed with the Florida real estate market. So. Right. Yeah. Aaron Luden and, and uh, Orlando. Yep. Heather Kaminsky. Right. Um, Fort Lauderdale. Yep. Good yeah, stuff. So, yeah. Excited. That's great. In fact, I'm going to be seeing Aaron at the Florida Realtors Convention in a week and a half. So excited. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, right on. We have our national uh, uh, N2 publishing conference in like a month and a half. That's going to be in Dallas. It's, it's like nice. mid-December. So Aaron will be here in September as well. Um, <laughs> love it. Love it. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, if you're not, if you're a real estate, a lot of the uh, OGs of real estate, you know, they're having a hard time getting on social media um, because they, they just don't think they need it. And uh, in a year or two, if they're still in real estate, uh, they're going to get left behind by millennials. 120%. Yeah. Um, I get a lot of uh, videos King, no matter where you're at on Instagram, Facebook, um, TikTok. Video is king, and a lot of realtors and affiliates and vendors are, are just like, you know, I don't like how I sound. I don't like how I look on video. You need to do a vision board. You need to love yourself a little bit more because that's how you sound and that's how you look. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> get used to it. So, yeah, no one likes to hear that video is king because no one wants to be on video. But um, 
is TikTok's got to be predominantly quite a bit younger. Like, wouldn't it be like in terms of age, like it's older Facebook, a bit younger Instagram, and even younger yet for TikTok? Is that am I, am I so Instagram and TikTok uh, are dominated by the millennials? Um, nationwide, those are the first time home, first time and second time home buyers um, that dominate those uh, two categories. Uh, so their primary is on um, Instagram and TikTok. I feel like they're also on Facebook because um, Facebook is the OG of social media. And if you're not on Facebook, it's really, you know, they val kind of validate your existence a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, the millennials are those first time and second time home buyers. And, and those are the ones that are dominating those platforms. If I look somebody up like on, uh, on Facebook, I definitely don't exist. 110%. When, when, when I get a referral, and I get a lot of referrals from real estate agents I've never met before. Um, they see me on my social media. They see me with other real estate agents. And they're like, if she's good enough for them, she's good enough for me. Um, and when the customer says their name, I'll instantly go to like Instagram. I'll go to Facebook. Um, and if they're not there, I'm like, are they really a real estate agent? though? <laughs> Yeah, I can't trust anyone that's not on, not on. One hundred and ten percent. Like I don't trust a person that doesn't drink and doesn't have social media. <laughs> oh, I haven't drank in like two and a half months, James. So, uh, but you drink. <laughs> yes, that's true. That is true. <laughs> Hopefully, my trust level is not going down the longer I don't drink. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, that's great. Well, hey, why don't we bring on, we have a man in the background that you invited to be on the show, something that you worked with for a while, and uh, is one of our, we just checked, he's 194th uh, on our top 500 yeah. real producers for the year of 2020. Why don't you go ahead and introduce him and bring him in? I'd like to introduce you guys to Mike Dennis with KW Southlake. He is a top producing agent in the DFW market. Um, I can't say enough about this guy uh, and what he does for his clients. He bends over backwards and goes that extra mile. He hosts fantastic client appreciation events. And once you're a client of Mike Dennis, you're a client for life, you're not gonna be able to get rid of him. <laughs> well, I appreciate you guys having me on today. Thank you, James, for the introduction. You're welcome. Of course, Mike. Hey, well, how, how did you guys meet? I know um, we were talking about that a little bit earlier, but how, how did you guys meet? How'd that go? <laughs> So the story goes like this. So um, we're the official movers of the Dallas Cowboys. And I invited a vendor that um, gives me referrals to training camp. And Mike, was this in 2018, maybe? I think so. Maybe. I'm pretty sure it was 2018 because that was, um, oh, my goodness. What's her name now? I, can see her <laughs> I can't remember her name now. <laughs> Um, she didn't really, but the thing is, she didn't really tell me what it was whenever she invited me. So I really had no idea what was going on. I just heard Cowboys and event. I was like, all right, I'm there. So, <laughs> so we, he invited, uh, got invited to the Cowboys training camp and I thought I was showing them a great time. And, um, Mike just did not like me whatsoever. I don't know if he didn't like my voice, how I looked, what I was wearing, personality. I am an acquired taste when you first meet me, but if you're not on the Jameson train, you're going to get on pretty quickly. Um, and so eventually he did get on, but he didn't tell me until a year afterwards that he didn't like you when we first met. He's like, I really was annoyed by you. And I was like, well, <laughs> <laughs> having a busy week is all must have been, I'm sure. Jameson, would you say you're more like coffee or more like beer? Like, you know, people have to kind of learn to appreciate both of those. <laughs> 
Oof. Um, I would like to be, I mean, it depends on what kind of beer. I'm definitely not like a Michelob Ultra. Um, <laughs> you know, handcrafted maybe, a little bit higher end. Uh, You're not you know, a hands? You're not a no. hands? <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. beer in the sense that a couple and you're feeling pretty good about being around them, but if you have too many, the next day you really regret what you did. The day <laughs> Is that what we're talking about here? No. A Jameson hangover? Yeah. <laughs> I actually like that. That might be a great hashtag, the Jameson that's, hangover. That's <laughs> Um, Jameson, working with you work with a lot of agents. Obviously, Mike being someone who's of uh, the topper echelon. Um, what do you like about working with him? I mean, you work with so many different people, but what's different about working with Mike? Um, he listens. I know he's a man, but he does listen well. <laughs> um, when you you know moving, referring a mover is not you know it's not a necessary evil. We're not we're not part of the closing process. Um, so the way he introduces his customers uh, to moving and to myself and all my sons moving makes them feel very comfortable. And um, he trusts the process as well. Uh, nine times out of 10, nothing happens on a move, but if something does, like he knows that he can reach out to me and we have that open communication, um, which is really great. Yeah, I love that. And, and Mike, what about you? I mean, I know you, you said that you've been working with Jameson and all my sons for a couple of years now. Uh, what, what do you like about working with them? Well, you know, kind of to the point that she was talking about, you know, with any vendor that you're referring to your clients, you have to anticipate that something's going to happen with at least one deal out of ever so many. The difference between a really good vendor or a referral vendor and a bad one is that whenever a mistake is made, a good one will correct the issue quickly and efficiently. But of course, you know, the bad ones will make up excuses as to why it's not their fault and try and push off that accountability to either someone else or some something else um, that resulted in whatever happened, whether in the case of moving, if it's damaged furniture, or if someone doesn't show up on time, or if you know we have a group of movers that can't show up when they're supposed to. Um, you know, It's all about fixing the issue quickly and taking responsibility and not blaming others. And that's what Jameson does well, and all my sons have done really well since I've been working with them. So. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think, I mean, at the end of the day, it comes down to, I mean, the relationship that uh, an agent and, and, a, and a business have is so vital, but what we hear consistently is that it comes down to the communication, how people handle issues and uh, yeah, um, that, that dynamic is so, so huge. And, and we take a lot of pride on the real producer side, making sure that we, you know, vet those businesses that, that work with us because if we're going to be, promoting them and, and bringing them, putting them in front of the top facing real estate agents, you know, we have to make sure that they're some of the best and they absolutely are. And, and um, so love, love having Jameson as, as a partner, they're a partner in several different real producers across the nation. And um, so love, love to hear that. I want to ask you, Mike, um, I, I actually just, I met you briefly at the Tanner Real Producers launch event, yeah. we've had a couple of conversations. Um, why don't you fill everyone in a little bit, how long you've been in real estate, kind of a little bit about your journey along the way, the bring you up, kind of tell us a little bit about that. Uh-huh, it's a pretty bizarre journey. Um, so, you know, before I was in real estate full time, you know, I've done quite a few different things. Um, the two main things that I did since I was 18 was I was either in some kind of sales role 
um, and predominantly in uh, home renovations, actually, uh, home remodeling sales. So flooring, kitchen remodels, bathroom remodels, windows, doors, you know, that kind of thing. And then the other side of that was I was actually, I was in the restaurant industry for a long time too. And I ended up going into fine dining for a few years before I got out. And the last, you know, uh, job I had before I got into real estate was at, um, at a Del Frisco's. And uh, Ooh, nice. <laughs> so, you know, it's interesting because I originally thought about the idea of being able to sell a home and not sell parts of a home in 2015. There was a guy that I knew and I had known for a little while. I actually played in a band with him and uh, never really asked him what he did for a living. I knew he did some landman stuff and he talked about real estate here and there, but I never quite grasped exactly exactly what he did and and i remember going to pick him up for lunch one day um and uh and he and he called me he said hey i'm still working on some paperwork if you want to come inside and let me finish this up then we can go and i remember going upstairs and he was working on you know probably a contract i i don't remember exactly but i remember seeing a commission check on his desk <laughs> at the time it was like three months worth of income for me in that one commission check and I said, what do you do again? And he started explaining it to me and the light bulb kind of came on um, that I had never really thought about selling the whole house. You know, I'd sold everything else in a house, but uh, I just, I don't know. And then from there, it kind of, you know, question after question, how do you get into this? What's required? And just research and going kind of down that rabbit hole of getting into the industry. Um, so it was, it was, I wouldn't say a chance occurrence, but it kind of seemed like a the natural progression that I should have gone maybe a few years earlier if I'd have been paying a little more attention. So who, uh, who is it? Is another KW agent that you play in band with? Uh, no one that I, that works with KW any longer. Um, okay. he hasn't worked with Keller Williams in a few years now. So, okay. Gotcha. So, so you got licensed and you started, which, what was your first year? Was it 2015? Uh, actually no. So I had, been working with him as more quote unquote a real estate assistant uh, for most of 2016. So I actually came on to work with him full time in October, I think, or September, October of 2015. And then I took all my real estate courses in February and March of 2016 and didn't actually get my license approved until December of 2016. Okay. So my first full year of production was 2017. Wow. And to be 194 just four sweet years later, man, that's uh, that's pretty impressive. Congrats to you. What what uh, what would you attribute? Like, why do you think uh, you've had the success that you've had? Because again, um, I don't know what the stats are. Red Talk Champions, you guys probably know better than I do. But something, what, there's a wicked percentage of real estate agents that within like two years are no longer doing it anymore. I don't know, eighty percent, like eighty percent, right? Yeah. Um, so what, I mean, obviously that's not what happened to you. And there's a, only a small percentage, uh, truly that really can make that, that happen. What, what would you say, what was the biggest factor into that? Well, you know, it, it just felt like, I mean, honestly, it felt like I didn't have a choice, you know, because I, I had been in college for a finance degree and, you know, I was looking to transfer to a university at one point. And I started looking at the tuition costs and, and what I'd be doing. And I even took an industrial engineering job where I did a lot of finance stuff. And, um, and I, I just, it was not, it was not what I wanted to do. You know, I, I was probably only there for maybe seven months and I just couldn't stand it. You know, I, 
I literally would fall asleep sitting in my chair at my desk at this office. I have to do push-ups every 30 or 45 minutes just to keep my blood flowing. You need a standing desk. And uh, right, yeah. With a treadmill. And uh, but but um, no, it, it was um, you know the it, there wasn't a really a choice to fail in, in in my head, you know, because whenever I got licensed, I immediately I was in a hundred percent, you know, and I didn't. There was no um, there was no second job. There was no side hustle. There was no part time mentality. I mean, I was in one hundred percent the day I was licensed, and even before then. And thankfully, you know, my wife is also extremely successful. She's a CPA who happens to do commercial real estate investment accounting for some of the largest investment banks in the world. And um, so she was doing really well at the time that allowed me to be able to do that uh, and to really just come in full time. However, you know, I will say one thing to any new agent, if, if they want this little piece of advice, the one thing that really kept me going my first full year is that I focused to always have a deal under contract. So if I got a buyer or a listing under contract before that deal closed, I needed to have another client under contract. And with that mentality, it kept me going and really kept me focused on lead generating and following up with people for that first year to kind of get over that hump. So, Well, I think, I think that's smart because so many people, they get the deal and they think it's time to celebrate a little bit, you know, um, and I think at that time to use that energy that you have, the confidence that you now have for having that deal under contract, use that to go, you know, create more deals. Um, and so I, I was, I was going to wait a little later, but you, you got to mention that. Uh, first of all, Mike, do you mind me asking how old you are? Me? I'm 33. I'll be 34 this October. Okay. So you got a couple years on me. I figured we were pretty close to the same age. Um, and I'm gonna ask Davison too, but I love asking um, you know people who are who are successful. One of my favorite things to ask them is essentially what uh, what drives them. And you kind of you kind of mentioned it, but like so, uh, I moved here. It was now like three and a half years ago from northern Minnesota um, to DFW. I didn't know a single person. Was there like almost seven million people here? And I was gonna start a magazine uh, around the best producing agents in the market and. Um, you know, for me, what what drove me, I think people are, Tony Robbins talks about the fact that people are either uh, uh, driven by pain or pleasure. And, um, you know, now I would say that there's definitely uh, pleasure and the idea of the, the life that I can create and different things that I can do. Like, I'm, I'm motivated by that now. But a few years ago, it was, you know, I, I went to college for seven years. I worked for seven months with my degree as a physical therapist assistant. Um, I bounced all around through college so it wasn't a straight shot but i hated the idea of like a, a, a standard nine to five like i just didn't do it um and like you said i was so bored with it like i just could not i could not do it the idea of going back to something like that just felt like hell to me um and i i just i i so when i was making this move and i came here i basically like burnt my bridges and it was like it, the, my motivation when things got tough was I, I would do, I, I, again, I was looking forward to what I was about to create, but when I looked back, I was like, if I fail and I have to go back to that life, I'm like, this seems like the worst thing ever. And I was like legit worried for like my sanity if I were like to have to go back and, 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 and you know, I don't even know what I would have done. I would have had to go back to make physical therapy or uh, <laughs> I would have not enjoyed it. So like whenever times got tough, it was like, this sucks right now, but it's not going to suck nearly as bad as failing and going back to that. And so for me, it was definitely driven a bit by pain. Um, 
you know, that was a strong motivator for me. So I'm going to ask you both. I'm curious for you. Um, so Mike, like when, when you look at like what drives you, you talked a little bit about that already, but you more of a pain or pleasure guy when it comes to. Uh, you know, I guess a little bit of both, you know, the, the big thing that drives me is that I'm a very uh, task oriented person and goal oriented person. And so when I have something to do, I have to do it until it gets done. It's kind of like a dog with a bone, right? They just, they can't let it go until it's finished. And so, you know, my, my initial motivation coming into real estate was to become, you know, financially independent, make sure that I was providing for my household, make sure I could take care of my wife because, you know, the corporate world for her was kind of starting to gnaw a little bit. And I knew that she was going to want to look for other avenues to potentially work for herself at some point as well. And I needed to be in a position to allow her to do that. Um, so it was kind of a team mentality uh, for a while. But, you know, I just um, I never did very well under micromanagement uh, with different types of sales managers, restaurant managers, you name it. And so, you know, being able to come in and work the way I saw fit, you know, of course, within the guidelines of Trek and and state law, but being able to run a business and to do the things that you know need to be done in the way that you feel confident in doing them without having oversight was a huge factor in being able to, you know, push your limits essentially and find out how far you can take a business and in, in, in real estate, you know, there's no ceiling. And so because of that, it's, you know, when I get to one point, I have to do more than I did the year before and so on and so forth. And so far, I've, I've gone up every year in production than I was the year before. I'm just wondering when I'm going to hit that bounce off that ceiling. Um, so, you know, the motivation is just really pushing myself to see how productive I can be. Yeah. Um, everything else is kind of a nice positive vibe, whether it be financially or, you know, um, uh, fulfillment wise in terms of being able to work with people and really solve people's problems in the real estate world, because there are a lot of problems in the real estate world, not just with the transaction of a house, but, you know, if someone's doing remodeling, if somebody's, uh, you know, trying to figure out, uh, you know, school district situations, I mean, even just helping somebody moving from out of state, even if they don't buy a house with me, I try and get people as much info as possible to help them solve those problems they have. And it happens a lot, you know, I meet people who end up working with someone else. But if I can even drop a little bit of information that helps make it easier, then that is good enough for me in a lot of ways. So, Yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, we'll have to check next year when we rerun the numbers for 2020. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not selling at least a 193, then uh, we, we're going to have to have a discussion. So. <laughs> um, love that. Jameson, what about you? I mean, you're, you're one of the most – um, ambitious people. I mean, you're always trying to push the envelope and try different things and network and, and keep moving. Like for you, what, what's your motivation? Like, why do you continue to try and excel and be the best at what you do? So initially, initially, I think everyone, I mean, I've never, when I, when I ask questions asked, I really never hear anyone say, Oh, I, I initially started doing this cause out of pleasure. Um, unless they won the lottery. Uh, <laughs> I think everyone that is successful has a story behind everything. And and I think that um, when I started with all my sons back in 2013, it was driven by pain. Um, you know, I found a company that, uh, that truly cared about their customers and nationwide moving has an awful reputation, an awful name. No one's a refer a mover. Um, 
but I truly found a customer, a company that cared about their customers. Um, every moving company makes mistakes. If you find one that says they don't, they're liars and run really fast. Uh, but you know, all my sons five years prior to me working for them, um, got me out of a living situation that nobody should be in. Uh, and when I started working for them, I set out to let everybody know that all my sons was a different type of company and my ways, um, are, are some would say are, are unorthodox. Uh, I think outside the box a lot. I, I'm not one to be caged. So um, I set out to show everyone what kind of company all my sons truly was. And it just really spread and built upon that. Uh, and now that I'm older, you know, you don't want to be uh, on that grind like 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. like I was when I was early 20s. Um, now it's it's a little bit different and my grind is the same but on a different scale and and i still set out to show people the, tr the true company and true character of all my sons moving storage so yeah, yeah. i love it i think i think you're right too. i think most people probably are initially motivated by the the pain um because they haven't maybe created something yet and they're just like you know they like the idea of going forward but i, I think that is common and then, and then once people create more success it's it's Oh, like this would be great if I could take it to the next level. Um, um, and that that's motivating. Um, you know, yeah. I got asked one time, like, like they're like, your hustle is so different. Why is your hustle so different? And I was like, well, have you ever slept in your car for 30 plus days? <laughs> that's why my hustle is different. I never want to, I never want to have to do that again. So you actually legit, like in your car, you slept in it for 30 days. More than, yep. No yep. way. I was in the best shape of my life because I wanted to watch TV. So I bought a membership at LA fitness and I did cardio every night and that's where I showered, got ready. Everyone just thought I was a really great gym member. Um, and I was in the best shape of my life. I was on the McDonald's dollar menu diet and came right off that night. Dang. Wow. I, I think you briefly did tell me that. I think I forgot about that. I, my story is not nearly as crazy. I had, I had a one bedroom apartment, but for the first 14 months, I slept on an air mattress. Like my desk was a pop-up desk from Target. I had nothing on the walls. Like my TV was this big sitting on a TV stand, like a TV tray um, stand or whatever. And, and um, you know, so it definitely was tough making ends meet, but I was certainly not in, in a car. Uh, that's, that's some next level stuff. That, that would definitely create some pain for motivation. Um, Just me, me and my cat in the front seat. <laughs> cat litter in the front seat on the floor. No way. Holy smokes. Were you in like a, a bus or was it literally? I was in a eight-year-old Jeep Grand Cherokee. No way. Yep. That is fascinating. Well, that, that definitely would create some motivation. Mike, do you have anything? Uh, were you living in a, a van down by the river or like anything like that? <laughs> I, uh, I'm not going to share those stories with you. <laughs> what, when, when you got into it, Mike, I know like you saw your um, your buddy's commission check, and um, what, what what was was it harder than you expected? What were like some things that were when you got into it? Like you're like, oh man, like I didn't expect this. Like um, was it harder? Yeah, kind of fill us in on that side of it. Uh, so. So I had been in a lot of different sales roles previously. And so one thing that was already kind of instilled in me is your pipeline and building a pipeline. The biggest thing about real estate that I didn't anticipate that was the most difficult is that, so in all the other sales jobs I had previously, most of them were in-home sales. When I sold home remodeling, I would go 
you know, uh, the company I work for would get phone calls of people wanting to get quotes and they would send us, the sales guys out to measure, show products, get quotes together and then sell them on the product in the appointment and then get them to sign, you know, a purchase agreement for flooring or windows or whatever it was. And so in those appointments, they're about two hours or less. So you're walking into a house, you're sitting down, um, you know, you're getting comfy, making yourself at home and then building that rapport very quickly. And so you, you, you do get to know them a little bit because you look around the house, you see family photos, maybe you see a guitar in the corner, maybe, you know, whatever it is. And you can, you know, relate in some way in real estate, you know, my turnaround time for a client could be, you know, six months, a year, two years. So the one thing that I didn't anticipate was how much work goes in to building a relationship with a client in real estate and what it feels like when that person, you know, goes around you to either buy a home on their own. Maybe they list with a, a discount or a flat fee broker and because they think that, you know, we're, we're too expensive or that we're not negotiable on our listing fee or something like that. Right. And so you just put in a year's worth of work or two years, and this actually happens a lot. And the emotional drain from that is the one thing I did not expect in this industry. So I've had to relearn how to not take that personally, right. And to let it go. And that a lot of people whether it be out of just not knowing or you're not thinking about it, they're not intending to, to hurt you in a way like that. So you have to figure out how to be okay with losing clients that you've been working with or prospects, right? Even if they're not necessarily a client, someone you may have been working with to try and turn into a client for a month, three months, a year, two years, three years. You know, I've got people in my CRM that I met in 2017 that still haven't bought or sold a house, but I talk to them all the time. So if one day they decided to list with, you know, uh, Joe Smith real estate, uh, because of, you know, they get a free Denny's, uh, gift card, uh, <laughs> you know, it's gonna, it's gonna sting a little bit after all that work. So you have to learn how to accept that that's going to happen and be able to move on and keep moving forward with the people that are wanting to work with you. So, yeah, I would imagine the real estate sales cycle in a lot of cases is, a lot, one of the longer ones out there, I would think. It can uh, be. Yeah, yeah, that would be a bit of a, yeah, I can see how that would be, I don't know, disheartening is the word, but yeah, you, you put all that time in and they, if they go use someone else, like, it'd be a little hard not to take that personally and, and feel like you wasted time, but that's part of the process, man, so you get into it. It's part of it. Usually I try and anticipate about 30% of people that I'm working with and talking about listing their home or helping them look for a home, I anticipate 30% of those people will not buy or sell yeah. uh, with me at all. Now, some of them end up just putting their, their move on hold until the next year or whatever, and I end up doing business with them later. But there's still a portion of those people that just completely fall by the wayside. And, and, uh, and not that it's not that I'm not following up with them, because once you go in my CRM, you'll never be rid of me. Uh, <laughs> Unless you block all my numbers and emails, and <laughs> even then, I can send you handwritten letters to your yeah, house. Yeah, so, relentless. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, no, it is. It can be disheartening, but you got to remember that it's not personal, and that there's seven million people in this metroplex. And if you can't go find leads out of seven million people, you're probably in the wrong business. <laughs> yeah, you're probably doing something wrong um, if, if that's the case. Um, Jameson, uh, for you. 
when you got with all my sons and, and you knew what the role was going to be, I guess, what, what were some things that were more challenging or that you just didn't expect? Uh, or even things now that you still are from the difficult aspect? Um, nobody wanted to work with me. Uh, <laughs> and, and <I'm laughs> we got to work on this, Jameson. I wasn't sure how I felt about you right away. We got to work on that first impression a little bit. No, I mean, nobody wanted to work with me. I was like, I couldn't understand why, because I'm the ninja ginger. And um, moving, and that's, and it, moving is such a, a again, a not a necessary evil. And again, they have a bad reputation. And so I really truly, no, no real estate agent or broker or vendor wanted to have the liability if a move went wrong. Hey, you referred this person. And and so I really had to work hard at changing the persona of movers um, within the industries I was trying to get into and the circles I was trying to run. And I mean, I did some really unorthodox stuff, um, really. And um, some of them I, I got slapped on the wrist with for from all my sons. And, you know, I, that's where I adopted the, you know, um, ask for forgiveness, not permission. And uh, so, but yeah, that was, I really had to, I really had to work hard to gain, gain people's trust. Yeah. Well, you can't, you can't figure out where the line is if you don't cross it from time to time, right? So, I do. Yeah. I, I, I don't really cross it. I kind of destroy it. So. <laughs> you just take the line and throw it away. Yeah. <laughs> what line? <laughs> yeah. That's great. No, I, I, I can imagine. Yeah. That would be a bit of a, a bit of a task for sure. Um, well, bo both you guys, that. Uh, uh, looking forward, um, um, just I'll, I'll start with Mike. You know, looking forward, you've been in real estate for four years. Uh, what's your What's your goals? Looking forward, you, you want to grow a team? Like, what What's What's uh, some goals in your future that you're trying to achieve? Um, well, so this December will mark five full years being licensed, and you know, I, I've I've looked at the team thing before. You know, one thing. It, it, it may not seem like it, but I don't work well with others. Uh, <laughs> I, I do in some aspects, but it has to be in limited uh, doses, right? And so, you know, and I learned that about myself. So that's why I came into an industry where I can work autonomously without, you know, having to worry about other people because I do move very fast. Um, you know, once I get set to a task, I mean, I move so quick. And and I ha and I can see the end of the, the goal being completed. And, and it's kind of like every I have blinders on to everyone else around me. Sometimes I forget to consider people that work with me, but I've gotten a lot better at that over the last five years. I've had to. My patience level has had to go on, had to go up quite a bit, especially with clients. And so um, in terms of a team growth, you know, there is an agent that I just uh, recruited to Keller Williams, who's a newly uh, licensed agent. And, uh, you know, she's actually a fiance of an old high school buddy of mine who I've known actually since middle school. Um, she's pretty smart and she's, uh, seems pretty dedicated to wanting this to be her full-time thing. So we're kind of, you know, feeling out, you know, if it's going to be a good fit, but it would be nice to have someone that can work with me to help, you know, take the load off sometimes because I am a solo agent. I don't have an assistant. I don't have a transaction coordinator. I use a print marketing company for stuff, but you know, um, I don't, I don't really, uh, pass on a lot of that side work. What I try and do is I try and build systems that automate all of that stuff. Um, that way it's kind of like having an assistant without having an assistant that asks questions. <laughs> you just kind of program 
your systems and then it runs for you in the background, um, especially with follow-up during transactions, that is huge. But adding another warm body to a business is always a good idea. It's just a matter of finding the right fit. So in short, yes, it's on my mind. I'm just trying to find someone who would be the right fit right now. I'm gonna encourage you to read a book called Who Not How. Um, if you're 194th and you're doing pretty much all by yourself, man, you need someone on deck um, if you want to keep going to the next level. I think there's a there's some people that – I know a few people that do 30 million basically alone. I just don't – I don't know how they do it. Um, you know, they drive themselves up, up the wall. But in terms of scalability and, and providing service, Who Not How is a book that I read that within like three pages of reading it, I called my uh, assistant – who was part-time and I gave her a full-time position and I was like, yeah, this doesn't make sense. Like, why am I doing this? So um, I encourage that book. I think that'd be a, a good book for you to read, but I admire the fact that you create, I think the fact that you have those systems is going to make it that much easier to bring someone on because that's the hardest part is typically people don't have systems. Then you bring somebody on. It's like a, just a disaster. Now you got to, now you're trying to coach someone and train someone in a systemless system. And <laughs> yeah, that is very hard to do. So I think you already got one step up. It probably would be pretty easy to plug and play uh, if you had that. But just my two cents. Um, um, yeah, I would read Who Not How. But um, very cool, man. I, I, uh, it's exciting. I'm excited to see um, where things go with you. And so, um, Jameson, what about you? Uh, professionally, goals, uh, maybe personally, goals looking forward. What, what, what would be a win for you in the next year, two, or three? You know, it's it's – Mike touched on something, and I think this is why he and I can work well together consistently, not in doses. Um, we both move at a very fast pace, and that. And I was once told by the, one of the founders of All My Sons that I move so quickly I make people uncomfortable. And I think that actually is a um, uh, – I think that's a positive of mine, that I know how to make people un uncomfortably uncomfortable. Um, and so for me – you know, I'm at the point with all my sons um, that we're, we're I'm growing at a, a very rapid pace. I'm going into new markets. I would love to have um, to build a team underneath me and have little Jamesons all over the United States. Um, <laughs> Watch out, world. I know it. Um, it, you know, I, I think all my sons needs to wrap their head around that to see what, to really know what that would look like. And I, I think that's what they're doing right now is wrapping their head around that idea. Um, Cause I, I, it's, they want me in new markets and it's just too much uh, if I'm not there. So that's what I really want. I'd love a team of like five uh, nationwide. Five little ninjas underneath mama ninja. Just like little ones. Like, I mean, half of me. <laughs> well that would be yeah that would be a power team i would imagine just creating a a lot of success and a lot of destruction at the same time yeah <laughs> well that's great well hey james anyone listening um if they need a good mover um how do they get a hold of you what do they need to do? Uh, the best way is my cell phone. I only have one. I only have one number. It's for um, business and my personal. It's 561-578-3800. It is a West Palm Beach number, uh, but it's nationwide. So uh, that is the best way. 561-578-3800. I love it. And Mike, if there's someone out there that needs a, a real estate agent or they just another real estate agent that might have questions, uh, I should reach you. 
Uh, cell phone's always great, 817-941-7015. Email's great, too. I check it incessantly, uh, mike at mikedennishomes.com. Um, of course, on Facebook and Instagram, you know, under the same tags, you know, Mike Dennis, Mike T. Dennis, as my Facebook is. But, yeah, I'm uh, hopefully pretty easy to find. I Oh, I finally did search engine optimization on Google. Okay. Uh, last year because I had time to do it. So now if you actually type in Mike Dennis Realtor, I'm the only thing that pops up. So, <laughs> so trying to get current with the times. I love it, man. Well, hey, congrats to both of you guys. Congrats, Mike, on your success. As always, um, I appreciate you guys coming on the show. This was fun. It was great to get to know you guys even deeper than before. Jameson living in a car, did not know that. But look at where you're at now. That's pretty amazing. Mike, certain, you know, less than five years ago and now 194 and on his way to the top of 100, I'm sure, very soon. And so congrats to you guys. I appreciate you guys coming on. Uh, Lennon, I want you to come in. Why don't you uh, come on in and you can wrap it up and you can give us the boot and we'll let you wrap up the <laughs> Uh, good stuff. I, that I love Jameson. I, you know, one of the things that we did when we created the difference is we wanted to hear those personal stories and help people humanize their brand and not just commercialize it because we, and, and Jordan, you've heard me say this so many times, there are so many small business owners and, and entrepreneurs and independent contractors that Mike, you kind of, or one of you mentioned this, that, you know, they're, uh, you know, sometimes we're all struggling. And we see everybody's highlight reel on social media, right? Nobody puts the bad stuff. They, they put all the good stuff. And I've had friends in business that are, are they're like, man, I was ready to give up. And I saw a story, Jameson, like yours, and it inspires them to just try one more day. And a lot of times it's just one more day is all we need. And sometimes that's what makes the difference. So uh, I wanted to plug that, Jordan. Hope you don't mind. But uh, great show. Uh, Jameson, it's a pleasure to meet you, Mike. Pleasure yeah, to meet you as well. well. Yeah. And uh, Jordan, as always, man, keep doing what you're doing, uh, making those connections and helping people grow because that's what we all need and all want. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, Landon. All right. All right, guys. Everybody soon. Next week. Yes, sir. You got it. Love all right. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Got it. you.